So you want to watch a movie but you don't know which Choosing the one can be a bitch But Jared and Drew have perfected the art So sit back, relax, and trust the dark It's dark What's going on, everyone? I'm Drew. And I'm Jared. And welcome to Dartboard Movie Night, the movie podcast where we hurl inanimate objects at the wall to decide our fates. So you may be asking yourself, hey, guys, we literally couldn't even watch the movie that you picked. And guess the fuck what? I couldn't either. Uh, so this is our first ever b- 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 bonus episode. <laughs> and by that? bonus, we mean it's it's a it's a half episode that we <laughs> failed at, and we're releasing it in the middle of the week in an embarrassing fashion. <laughs> bonus episode. <laughs> the, you get the bonus of listening to us uh, yeah. just flail our way through this conversation where you one get a of real one way street sort movie. of cup. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so I mean, I guess we'll we'll just get into it. But I'll mention like how I got to selecting this movie and things like that. But we picked this movie, we put it up on the board, having no idea it was so hard to obtain. And I, as, you're roping me into some bullshit right now. I had no part in putting this on the board. This was a no, Jared selection. I picked this movie, <laughs> knowing it. I, no, I had but we no idea we did not do a good job of vetting whether these movies were on streaming uh, platforms or not. That is yeah. definitely partially on me. Yeah, and I think it's something we'll really keep an eye at moving forward. About like, is it reasonable? Because we want this to be a shared experience with whoever is listening to this. We want people to be able to find new movies together, or maybe they've already seen one in the past and want to revisit it or whatever. But it's crucial that it's it's achievable to see the movie. And this one went kind of outside. So Drew texted me Sunday night. And as, as loyal listeners might know, I rent my movies from a brick-and-mortar DVD place and Blu-ray place in Atlanta called Videodrome. And they tend to have everything. So I was completely unaware that this was an issue. And uh, so I, I read the movie and I was in halfway through watching it. And Drew texted me on Sunday night. And it's like, hey, man, like I can't – I literally cannot find this movie anywhere. And I was like, the only – as we talked about it later in the week, it's like the only option would be to torrent it and like illegally obtain it somehow. And we're not going to endorse that. It's ridiculous. So – We were kind of kicking around different ideas of what to do, and we decided, like, we'll do kind of a brief summation of my impressions of the movie, but uh, we'll kind of do, like, a half episode, a small We're also going to do a brief summation of what I think this movie is based on the clips I watched. Yeah, which that I that I, I did not more read interesting. A plot synopsis. Oh, that's going to be more interesting than what I have to say for sure. Like we talk about going dark into a movie, which I did with this to a degree. You went dark into video clips. You went dark into like <laughs> different segments of the movie, and probably not in order. I'm super excited to see what scenes you saw. Well, the order is actually playing into this, so I guess I'll mm-hmm. I'll start with my reactions of the movie, quote unquote, that I watched. Well, let me. Let me start by saying how this movie Please. got on the yes, dartboard. Yes, you're right. We should start there. So, I it was it was in the wake of Norm Macdonald's passing. This was in September <laughs> or so. And <laughs> apparently Drew finds that hysterical. Uh, <laughs> I almost just spit my wine all over my computer. <laughs> um, and it's just I, funny that like sorry sorry just the fact that norm mcdonald's passing triggered you to go after sling yeah, blade to <laughs> to find my way to sling blade uh so so um 
So I was in a multi-week marathon rabbit hole of Norm Macdonald videos, and I stumbled into a YouTube video of him interviewing Robert Duvall. It's like a 30-minute radio conversation, but it's a really good interview. And Norm Macdonald, for people who might not know, is actually like – he plays the dumb guy, but he's actually a super smart, insightful person and a great interviewer. And he really respected and admired Robert Duvall, so he took that conversation very seriously. And at some point, they start talking about Billy Bob Thornton. Robert Duvall is going out of his way to say, like, Billy Bob Thornton's like Orson Welles. Like, I worked with him on Sling Blade, and that guy, that guy is, is on another level. He directs, he writes, he acts, he's exceptional at all of them. And I was like, Sling Blade? What the, what the hell is that? I've never heard of that. So I Googled it and saw that it was well-received, nominated for an Academy Award, and did nothing else. And I was like, I'm interested. So Norm MacDonald and Robert Duvall were praising this movie. It's considered to be – I did see that it was considered to be Billy Bob Thornton's breakout into Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I saw that he wrote and directed. And I was just – by those factors of information, I was very intrigued, knowing yeah. nothing else about the movie. And I was like, oh, I'd love to see young Billy Bob Thornton. In my mind, I was thinking like he'd probably be like super handsome and maybe playing this kind of southern character. I didn't know what to expect. So, so wait, sorry. So you had before you put it on the dartboard, you had no idea like what character he was playing. Exactly, I had no idea before I watched the movie. I had no idea what character he was playing. Okay, and it was one of those things where, as we've started working on this podcast, whenever a movie pops out to me in conversation or someone recommends it, I'll just Google it and take a screenshot with my phone. So when it when it came to us kind of building out our 10 nominees each, I came across on my phone the screenshot for Sling Blade, and I was like, maybe I'll throw that up there. We don't have a lot in the 90s, and man, oh man, is this movie 90s. We'll get, we'll get to that. Um, and I was like, and I'm, I'm curious, and, and, and I think this is part of why we want to do this together is like, we want to just throw these movies that maybe we just heard about or we don't know much about, but it's a, a way to experience something new. Uh, so that's how it made it onto the board. You can, uh, I wouldn't say you can blame, but Robert Duvall and Norm MacDonald's conversation from who knows when. And they mentioned Sling Blade and I was intrigued. It's a totally legitimate thing to put on there. I mm-hmm. So my context on Sling Blade before this was, I mean, I've, I've known it's existed for a while. I had forgotten until you picked it that, Billy Bob Thornton had written and directed it as well as starred in it. I knew it was his like breakout, but I couldn't, I, I didn't realize that he had done all that, that which is really impressive um, mm-hmm. in any context. You know, I think that's just crazy that pulling off three jobs like that. But I, my main context for Sling Blade was like impressions of the character from whose line is it anyway and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was funny to me as a choice because I had always heard, you know, that voice as like a punchline basically. And it's funny to like, think about it as a serious movie. And when I watched the trailer, cause the first thing I did, I was like, well, I, I think I should probably start just by watching the trailer. And I watched the trailer for this and I was fucking baffled. I like, mm. I didn't, I had no idea what to make of this thing. Uh, it's, you got to send me that trailer. How did it? How did it flow? How, what what happened? In it's it? switching between two tones, where part of the trailer is presenting him as this murderer who is like just out of jail, who could kill at any moment, 
And the other half is him having this budding friendship with like a 10 year old. Mm. And like, it's not picking a lane, man. It's going whole hog in both lanes. Mm. And like, I don't know, was that, is, is that the experience of the movie? You know, it's fascinating because I did not know anything about, like I said, the performance and they don't have him speak for a while in this movie when it actually rolls out. So my first time having anything to do with his voice in it is maybe three or four minutes into the film. And oh, he starts talking. It's pretty long because it, it the, okay. the first opening scene is a fellow inmate in the insane asylum slowly drags a chair next to him or a mental institution, whatever we would call it, and starts talking at him hmm. for like two minutes. And and Billy Bob Thornton or Carl, the character, is not reacting. It's just like or is reacting very smallly and just staring out the window, but not saying anything. Is that the J.T. Walsh character? I yeah, the guy with the glasses who yeah. was like, yeah, he's like a serial killer and he's in there, or at least gotcha. he talks about it a lot. And and then these these minor characters are introduced, they're like college reporters, and the 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 head of the 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 institution walks them to the room and gives them all this ramp up to like we have to have the lights at a certain level you can't ask him any questions so there's several minutes where you don't hear him speak and then he finally speaks and it's like oh my god i had no idea he was going to sound like that and then as the movie went on i started recollecting other things i've seen in pop culture that are referencing this voice and i had no idea something that came to mind was south park I remember Cartman in a South Park episode saying like, you shouldn't have done that. He's just a boy. And I had no idea what that was referring to. And now I'm like, oh my God, it was Sling Blade all along. It was um, Sling Blade all along. Yeah, Curse you, Sling Blade. And I, <laughs> I must be one of the few people who has ever seen this movie who did not know the voice was coming. <laughs> Literally didn't. And I was like, what? See, that's a big, that's a big swing. But you asked me something else other than, um, oh, how did the movie flow? You were asking about the t- picking a lane. Right. And like, which way does it go? I think it would have been more interesting and more difficult in a way if the movie didn't lean on its score so heavily because the movie has this very eerie and ominous intro. I kind of described it already. And Billy Bob Thornton has this really well-acted long-take scene where he's delivering a monologue of the story that what happened in his childhood where he committed a double murder. And it's in this very eerie of that, yeah. light. And um, and I'm thinking, again, I don't know anything about this movie. I'm thinking, is this what? how, how dark is this movie going to be? Like, where is it going to go? And then when he leaves the institution and returns to his hometown, this musical score kicks in that's very like, Oh, blah, D, oh, blah, da. I don't mean sonically, but I mean like life goes on, things are getting better. And it kind of acts as an emotional crutch for the audience, I think, that's like, don't worry, this is going to be kind of on the light side for some of it. Hmm. And I think in a way, if we didn't have those clues, it kind of would have been a completely different viewing experience. If you were sitting there watching him just kind of sullenly sitting in a chair and the people are talking around him in a room, I would think like, is he going to just snap all of a sudden or like, cause he's so motionless and still for a lot of the movies or he fidgets, but he doesn't make a lot of big movements. And the music I think kind of tells the audience to calm down. Like he's, people are being loving influences in his life and he is kind of reawakening in a way for the first time in some ways. 
But I think it almost kind of it would have been a great alternate universe for there to be no score in this because a lot of those scenes that turn really lighthearted because of the background music that sits beneath them have this sort of they I think otherwise would have this sort of menacing I don't know what's going to happen tension in them and I don't know if that would be better or worse but it would be a different experience for sure um, so I would say it kind of it kind of does split the line and it has a dark and heavy ending but I think it's somewhat justified and uh, it has a very ominous and foreboding intro but the middle section is is kind of straight up 90s growth development development and like positive human interaction for the most part hmm interesting yeah. So yeah, so from the what basically after I watched the trailer, YouTube flowed right into one clip from the movie, <laughs> which was titled "Sling Blade Hyphen Doyle Gets Whacked." Okay. <laughs> so it's a nine and a half minute video, and it starts with uh, Carl, the the main character, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, talking to a child. Uh, about like, I don't know. He's like leaving for some reason, or not. He's not talking to the child. And it, it like, Carl goes and talks to John Ritter for a little while in a mm-hmm. doorway and says he's like, you know, take care of the kid or whatever. And then, then it goes into this weird segment of like, a, a camera like dollying around Carl as he stares at a house all super fucking creepy. Like I was like, what movie am I watching right now? (laughs) (laughs) Like like the tonal disparity between those two scenes was dramatic. That was a nice doorway scene. What is this? And then, and he's just like, he's looking like, yeah, I'm going to go murder a motherfucker. Then he goes and like, it shows him like like sharpening a blade. And then God, like, that blade sharpening thing was so <laughs> ridiculous. But anyway, <laughs> then, so then he's sitting on the couch next to Dwight Yoakam with a fucking blade on his lap, uh, talking about how he's gonna kill him, and then just literally just hacks him in the head, and like that's it. I was like, how did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> So from there I went and I went to the like actual what I forget what the the channel is on YouTube that has all the movement. I think it's just called movie clips actually. Yeah, no, that sounds right. But they had like 10 clips, so I watched through those and so I kind of got a lay of the land where I saw the, you know, the speech where he talks about killing his mom and her was it her boyfriend or somebody uh I don't know where they like had Yes, sex yeah, it and, was so the way the story shook out uh as he tells it in the asylum there is he was really mistreated as a child, like lived in a shed in the back, and he heard what he thought was screaming. And obviously this character has some significant mental issues uh, that they're faced with. And he comes into the house and he sees this man and he thinks this man is raping his mother. Right. So he, he in like some form of defense, kills this man with a, with a, with a sling blade or whatever the formal term is that he mentions. And then he finds out after that act and the immediate aftermath of that act that it was not rape. It was consensual. And in kind of this sort of ragey kind of craziness, he was so angry that he lashed out and killed his mother as well. Right. Um, and so that was the act that found him in the asylum. And it obviously carries with him throughout the film and mentions it to various people. Right. Um, yeah. Well, so yeah. So saw that scene saw like some of the talking between him and the kid uh 
saw John Ritter talking about the fact that he was gay. Uh, you know, kind of like I I could see like this guy like integrating back into society as being a big part of you know the the totally. center of you this saw movie. the movie man you taught you saw everything that's relevant i would say to our audience you could probably if you hear us talking about it and wanted to check it out you could probably get what you need from youtube in the clips yeah. and i don't i would never say that about a movie and then i i got one, yeah. i got that like dwight yokum is like violent and is the kid dwight yokum's kid no 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 that's uh, dwight yokum um the kid his father is no who is Lucas the Black, by the way, who is the quarterback in Friday Night Lights and is in the Fast and the Furious series, by the way. So anyway, oh, okay, cool. Because I didn't, I didn't look into what else he may have done. Yeah. Billy Bob Thornton in the commentary told a really interesting story about how Lucas Black had told him that he had no interest in really acting beyond this and wanted to be a professional bass fisherman. And in one of those scenes, I don't know if you saw it in your clips, but or in the YouTube clips, but. They're sitting by a pond mm. talking, and he would say that while they were resetting, Lucas would go and grab his fishing pole and just catch fish, like bass fish, out of this little pond. Hmm. Um, so that's interesting because he was recording this commentary, I think, a long time ago. He's like, yeah, he's told me that he doesn't really want to act, so he wants to be a fisherman. And I was like, uh, oh, I guess he stuck with the acting, sounds like. But uh, that's cool. I didn't know that. I didn't know that about him. Yeah. But oh anyway, so the story is that his father before Carl is introduced to this family sometime in the past had killed himself. So, uh the what's the actor's name who plays the asshole character who's violent? Dwight Yoakam. Dwight Yoakam. That is it's a that country is music the, star that turned actor. That's that's fascinating too, by the way. But that um was the kid's mother's boyfriend and he was abusive and very controlling and and uh, physically and verbally abusive. So why say. is it justified that? Uh, so okay, wait, hold on. Before I ask <laughs> ask this question, one thing that I for some reason had in my head for years about this movie, and I it blew my mind when I heard the Sling Blade speech. I for some fucking reason thought that his nickname was Sling Blade or something. <laughs> <laughs> Like I thought, I thought that was like the because I think it was because the poster is just Billy Bob Thornton's head, so mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that guy is Sling Blade. Dude, the poster gives you no clues. I saw the poster before I saw this movie, and I was like, what? So, anyways, <laughs> but but that's so funny that here comes Sling Blade. Sling Blade's getting out of the asylum today. <laughs> <laughs> so why is it justified that Sling Blade kills Dwight Yoakam? So I don't know if it was in the in the clips, but um, it is shown throughout the film that um, this character, Dwight Yoakam, sorry, what's his name? <laughs> yeah, Dwight Yoakam. Dwight Yoakam. That sounds so fictitious. I can't even. <laughs> Dwight Yoakam. They're like, if I, if I signed into a club, like, I don't know. No one would believe that was a name. Anyway, no. Dwight, Dwight Yoakam's character um is in these scenes and is just shown as being such an asshole and he's abusive physically and he has threatened to kill the mother if she leaves him and like he's made all these threats and stuff and he there's this one scene where he has some friends and like they're just in like a local like cover band or whatever come over and they play music and he gets drunk and throws them all out of the house all the musicians and 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 very violently kind of confronts that was one the of the family. Clips, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like the biggest example of his 
violence. And uh, throughout the film, he's just constantly mean to everyone. And that's the reason why John's, John Ritter's character won't leave town mm-hmm. is because he fears for uh, Linda Wheatley's character, who's played by Natalie Canterday. She's the mother. And, and Lucas Black, who plays Frank Wheatley, the kid. He fears for their safety so much that he can't leave John Ritter. And he knows that his lifestyle at this time in, in, in history would not be accepted in a small town, but he could leave and go to a place like St. Louis or somewhere else where it would be more acceptable and he could live more openly. Mm-hmm. But he is choosing to stay because he fears for what what will happen to these people if he goes. He's kind of like a protector for the family. Gotcha. And always is around trying to make sure things don't fly off the handle. Um, so that's what Sling Blade is talking about when he's asking him to take <laughs> care of the kid. Yes, yes. So And so Sling Blade... <laughs> Played fantastically by Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> Some people call him Blady or Sling him a Bob. But, uh, <laughs> Sling him a Bob. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, so then it just somehow Carl gets it in his head that this guy just needs to die. Like the only way this family can grow, like he sees, because he came from a really rough childhood too, and his father was very abusive and rejecting and obviously had a terrible experience. And was involved in a terrible experience in the early parts of his life. So I think in his mind, he sees uh, Lucas Black's character as he will not have a chance in life. If this negative force keeps infecting this family, like one of them is going to die. The other person is going to end up fucked up. Like it's just not going to work. And the only way this family can move on is if this person is out of the picture and dead. Uh, So it's... I wouldn't say it's completely morally justified. It's a pretty brutal way to go. It's certainly, I didn't feel bad for the guy when he died. And to that degree, I think the filmmaking, if that was the intention, was effective. Hmm. But I don't know. Maybe they wanted me to feel a little more. The other thing, too, is the movie, I watched the director's cut, and it's so long. And I'm just like, God, I know, like... You know where it's going, and that's not necessarily Jesus, a bad. Is thing. it longer than the two hundred, the two hour fifteen minute runtime that's on IMDb? It must be. It, I, I don't know for sure, but and I don't think they added like it's not a Lord of the Rings, you know, extended edition. I'm sure they just added like you know, fifteen minutes or so. But sure, um, or I would imagine. But it just it's a long movie, and they really. Again, I want to say I don't think it's a weakness that the ending is so obvious because there is a sense of dread and you know what's going to happen. And I think that's all intentional. It's not a flaw. But by the time the act happens, I mean, you saw it in a very fascinating scenario where you saw it out of context as like after the trailer, that's what you see. But well, and the trailer ends on a really ominous shot of Billy Bob Thornton, like cast in shadow, talking about like you might need to murder somebody or something like I don't know what he says, but like. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. so I was like, "Good God, what?" Is, and like the way you had described it to me on the phone yesterday was not lining up with what I was seeing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I told you it's just so. I mean, I really was telling you about the middle section, I guess. Yeah. But by the time the ending had arrived, I had kind of checked out of the movie in a large way because, mm. and we can get to kind of some of my problems with it, but I just was like, "This is so of its time," and. It seems like such a silly thing to say about a film because I think one could very accurately argue that the taking of Pelham was was of its time, but it it worked for both of us. Well, I I think of its time is generally said 
as a way of describing something that is of its time and therefore has to be watched in that context. So like taking of Pelham one, two, three, I don't think of that way because that movie to me plays like it could have been made yesterday and it would be fun, like a fun as shit thriller, you know? So that doesn't, that feels timeless versus of its time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the rub. And that's really, I mean, we all know the great, the great works of art, whether they're film or music or whatever, could come out at any point and be sound fresh and interesting. And that's, that's pretty fucking rare when that happens. And there's a lot of valuable things that sound quote unquote of their time. I'm not being dismissive of that Mm -hmm. term, but this movie to me, as I was watching, it just smelled like a corporate thought, which I don't think was the case because I think Billy Bob Thornton was actually writing this for a long time. But I was like, I was getting such strong vibes of like Forrest Gump, smashed with Shawshank Redemption like they were kind of trying to do that thing and there were so many like the color palette the clothing so much of that reminded me of Shawshank Redemption which is a movie mm, that I love and I would say not to put words in your mouth Drew but you're not the biggest fan of Shawshank I think it's fine I think it's a yeah. good movie I just don't I don't love it the way other people do right you don't think it deserves it's 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 how lauded it is to some degree no I think a lot right. of our generation overrates that movie but that's yeah. just my opinion Whereas I like it's it's a top ten for me easily. I I love that movie, but just seeing it is like this just feels like those things, and I feel like in that time, this was commonly occurring, where actors would take these roles as mentally disabled individuals and take really big swings. So you have something like, and I would argue that Tom Hanks's performance in Forrest Gump is not that large of a swing, but it still is risky for an actor to do. And you have something like, say, Rain Man is another famous example. See, I disagree. I think I think anyone else plays Forrest Gump in that movie is one of the biggest failures of all time. That's probably true. Yeah, I think you're right. Because you he the, humanizes do, that like cartoon. But would you describe that performance as a big swing? I think it... it yeah. I don't know. I guess it is. Yeah, it's a big swing for him. I mean, that, that's... You got to think, like... Hanks is not really a guy who plays characters all that much. He like, he, you know, he's more that like, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about like the difference between, you know, movie stars and, and actors. And mm-hmm. I think Tom, uh, Tom Hanks is absolutely an actor. Don't get me wrong. He's one of the greatest actors of all time, but he's more doing variations on Tom Hanks than say yeah. a, a Daniel Day Lewis, if right. that makes sense. You're right. You're totally right. It is a really big risk, but he pulls it off so it doesn't really seem like a huge risk. And we both are I'm I'm somewhat down on on that film. Like Forrest Gump I think is is solid movie. I like it, but I think I feel similarly how you might feel of about Shawshank where I'm like it doesn't deserve to be well, it deserves whatever it gets, but I don't love it as much as other people do. But I think it's a it's a good movie for sure. Yeah, I don't like that movie, but you actively don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, that's another um, conversation though. Yeah, can, but anyway, you get like I just it's like, it was I'm like watching Sling Blade, and again, not knowing it was going to be about a mentally disabled character. Yeah, I'm in it, and I'm like, was this what was just going on in Hollywood at the time? So wait, here's a question for you. I didn't see any clips of Robert Duvall. Where does he come into this? Oh story? my goodness. So funny because he's in he's patient zero about this fucking movie making it on the goddamn dartboard. He's in the movie for like two minutes. He plays he plays uh, Slingblade's father. And uh 
his like like um towards the end of the film Carl realizes what he has to do and he's kind of trying to tie up his personal loose ends and he has not visited his his father since he left the asylum or and obviously the, his father wants nothing to do with him based on his terrible crime in the early part of his life so he as he realizes what he has to do and what's going to happen to him he goes and tries to talk to his father and it's his father's played by Robert Duvall and he's sitting in this kind of house has some like light streaming in through the shades that are drawn and he's the beer bottles and liquor drinks all around him and he's babbling to himself and uh you know Carl comes in and kind of verbally confronts him and offer but before that offers to mow his lawn for him and the father completely rejects him um and the conversation does not improve and Carl leaves and so it was literally like maybe two minutes, two to three minutes. It felt like that Robert Duvall was on camera. Uh, and it's, it was fine. It was a fine performance. There's nothing wrong with the scene other than it's seeming somewhat unrealistic to me that someone is just like talking to themselves that aggressively and drunken in the middle of the day. It just didn't really play because Carl kind of quietly slinks in the house. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like knock on the door. So the, and there's clearly no one else there. So it didn't play as genuine in some respects, but there was nothing wrong with the performances. Uh, but it was just so funny that it was such a brief scene. And he's, I think he's like top five on the billing list or something. Like it's just kind of silly. I mean, he's he a might big even man. have it. He's of course going to get decent, but he, I guarantee you, he got the and in this. Didn't he? <laughs> I bet he did. I should have taken note. I bet he got the and. If I was, if I was back in a Vegas casino, man, I'd be betting and hard for sure this is something they talk about on blank check a lot so i'm kind of cribbing from that but i i am also fascinated by uh billing order i think it's interesting yeah the and is because you know like seems like the big kahuna would you rather be first or the well you know that like they negotiate that so like that's part of their contract when they're like when their agent is negotiating with the studio so like when you're getting a bob duvall in a bit part like this like part of the contract is i'm getting the and in this movie Mm-hmm. Oh, I should actually mention some of the yeah, positives. Yeah, yeah. Like, tell I've been me, tell, a little yeah, down tell me on the what movie. you liked about this movie. Because I mean, it didn't seem like it yeah. was all bad. Like, I mean, dude, it's got no, like, no. It kind of blew my mind how high you mentioned it earlier when we were talking about Rotten Tomatoes. But like, it's got like a really high score there. It's got like an eight point yeah. on IMDb, which anything eight stars and above on IMDb is is like generally like yeah. some of the best stuff ever. Um, I mean. IMDb ratings suck. Like, there's a lot of shit on on IMDb that like is way way underrated because a bunch of fucking you know neckbeards are are voting it down. But like, um, point being, like, eight point means it's got some like serious backers. Oh yeah, it was not, it was not terrible. But it, and again, I saw the director's cut, but it did feel overlong and it did feel very of its time and and kind of dull. But uh, there were a lot of things I liked about it. I did like the performances. I thought across their board they were strong. And even though Billy Bob Thornton was taking a really big swing with that bizarre voice, I think he pulls it off in terms of committing to it and always being in character. And in the commentary, he mentioned something interesting that he based that voice off of like old men that he had known and met in Arkansas when he where he's from. So it's it, just because it sounds so bizarre to me, and when I first saw it, I jumped to the conclusion of that's ridiculous. Nobody sounds like that. And then I go and listen to a bit of the commentary. He's like, no, this is, you know, 
wasn't talking to me, obviously, but he's like, oh, this is based off of a, several real people. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I didn't know that anybody in the world would talk like that. Um, but he is really good in it. And mm-hmm. as is John Ritter, everyone in it. And he stuffed it with a lot of his friends and people who were not actors and people he just knew. And nobody shows up on screen. And it's never like that guy clearly is not an actor. Like everyone pulls it off, I think. And it was fascinating to hear these people that were just kind of naturals. And I think they were all playing something close to home because they're it's set where, as far as I know, Billy Bob Thornton is from. And it's a very personal story for him. So it's not like they all have to reach outside of their little non-acting box but the performances were great and he i noticed it when i saw it and he mentioned it in the commentary too he loves master shots and he actually would if he had his way would like to do like a movie that's entire master shots which i guess at that point i will say i will say that like the clips that i saw the direction did not wow me it kind of felt very flat no you would not like you would not like the direction it was very, but but there was a benefit to it. Um, you know, it's very kind of like here's the room, and we're just gonna roll in the room. We're not gonna cut a lot at all, and we're just gonna have these characters interact. So it made sense to me that he likely came to this from an acting totally. perspective because, which also makes sense why Bob Duvall is into it. Yeah, there's no flashy cutting. The benefit of that is that. These actors have these big scenes to really chew on something with no cuts. Whereas we were talking weeks ago about Catch-22 and how complicated some of those long takes shots are. This is totally different where they're really long takes, but it's emotionally complicated and the actors need to keep it together for quite a long time and be in the scene. So that was kind of cool. And I liked seeing the acting really shine. I think the acting shines a lot with cutting styles like that. where People are... Maybe a little more oh, patient to cut and let a scene breathe, and uh, and you know, I I think you you obviously trade off kinetic energy generally, but sometimes it's worth it, and uh, it was cool seeing these these shots. So yeah, those are the positives. Totally, uh, and and it was a, a a dark ending that stuck with me for a while. Like not to say <clears throat> that's innately a positive, but I did find myself thinking about it the next day, and and. Um, you know, it's something about it did I mean, stick with it's me. It's got to be a de- like decent script too. I mean, he he won the Oscar that year for original screenplay. Um, yeah, it's 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 fine. I just felt it it dragged, it sagged, and it was so. I I, I had so many, and maybe it's lazy on my part, but there were so many easy comparisons to other things that were happening at that time that I kind of got bogged down in that, and maybe too early on I chalked it up as just like. This is just very, like every, like a lot of things I've seen from this timeline. And it looked like it was kind of riding the backs of previous films' success and trying to kind of cash in on a certain style, which is probably not fair to say to Billy. I'm not saying he looked at it that way. But um, that's how I felt watching the film. And uh, I really kind of was excited for it to end to a degree, <laughs> which is one of the worst things you could say about a movie, regardless of whether or not it's a director's cut. But... Uh, I don't know. I I think the movie is was maybe worth seeing. I was not upset to to I was not upset to hear that you couldn't find it because I was like this is really not to me it wasn't great. It was just kind of predictable and of its time. But there was some really good stuff into in it and maybe it's better than sure. maybe other people would react to it more strongly. But I was not I was not floored. 
That's fair. Yeah. Well, either way, I can't say I'm glad we picked it because I didn't get to watch it, but I think this actually made for a funny episode. Yeah, it's so really, it's a it. weird one, but I'm glad you saw a couple of YouTube comments and I love the direction that you saw them in. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> Fucking YouTube, man. <laughs> well, I guess then let's move into talking about where we're at on the current board and uh, deciding what's going on in place of Sling Blade. Let's do it. Uh, let's do it. First of all, for the record, uh, we have checked at least all of the stuff that's on here. I believe I, I need to double check a couple more, but I believe everything that's left on the board is at least available on iTunes right now. Uh, I just looked and I second guessed myself. Uh, I don't think I checked Putney Swope, but I think that should be well, available. Be and if it's somewhere. not, it's on Criterion Channel or something, so it yeah. should be. Well, available, that and but. that leads to an interesting point because I just wanted to say briefly, like. I don't think uh, Drew and I want to be kind of slaves to what's available on streaming all the time. Like there will be times where if there's a movie that we think is super interesting and it's we can't find it anywhere, we might still just go for it and be like, you know, we think it's worth well, it. But Mike, yeah, for them because I I get stressed out about how reliant we are on streaming and and I I want movies that maybe aren't no, but there. we do want things that are easy to access for sure so for the like, most part like yeah something like Sling Blade we just can't do because it's not like you can't even like buy the DVD without buying it used right really now, I oh I didn't so, know that was that's yeah. crazy and I would not recommend people buy buy Sling Blade personally so so yeah I think moving forward we were we're gonna do everything we can to make sure everything we choose is is somewhat available but there may be occasional times where we. We break the rules a bit if we think it's worth it. But as of now, it's looking pretty good for what we got. Um, okay, so I've got two nominees, Drew, and I'm just going to talk them out with you. We'll kind of get our way to it. Both came to me from movie lovers in my life who I respect their tastes a lot. The first one is Bicycle Thieves, which was recommended to me by Graham Waldrop. We had a campfire night recently. Really good friend of mine and... and uh, huge movie buff and actually a screenwriter and a filmmaker in his own right as well. Uh, but um, we had this kind of drinking around a campfire night and Graham was describing bicycle thieves to me. And he's like, it's really good. And he's like, it's not like cheesy old good. You know, it's a fifties Italian foreign language film. And he was trying to loosely explain the plot and he knows my aversion to spoilers. So he was being cautious, but he said, it's great. And he, he recommended it highly. And, Based on his description, I was really intrigued. And I i don't think I've ever seen an Italian-language film. I'm pretty sure. Recently, Drew and I have good, gotten good into... Good avenue for you to go It down. would be yeah. fun. You know, we, like we've gotten into uh, Korean cinema recently, or at least dipped our toe in it. Um, but but I Italian is... Italian cinema is definitely a blind spot for me, yeah, too. Yeah, it's legendary. So. so I think it would be... I mean, I have seen, I have seen Bicycle Thieves back in, in college, but uh, that's the only thing I yeah. think I've seen other than... Yeah, no, I, I don't know if I, any any others off the top of my head. And then the other film uh, comes to me from my friend Patrick, who we worked on uh, the Saturday Morning All-Star Hit show together. He's an editor. And he recommended Bound. And he said Bound is the Wachowskis', the Wachowskis first like film. That. And he says it's great. He says it's one of the best intro, you know, first film he's ever seen. Yeah. Or debuts, I should say. He's one of the best debut films he's ever seen from from a filmmaking team uh, or anybody. And uh, I'm intrigued. And with the, with the Matrix coming out shortly at the time of recording. I, I like that a lot. And the fact that you – have you seen it? 
No. Okay, then it's that's one cool. of the only Wachowskis that then, I have. Then I like it even more. I think it is the the only Wachowskis that I have. So I think, just based on the time, uh, Bicycle Thieves will get up there soon. But I, I kind of like Bound going in place of Sling Blade for 10. And I really don't know much about it outside of this recommendation, but he says okay. it's awesome. So I say let's do Bound for 10. All right. So that leaves us with... I'm going to go down in order uh, from 1 to 20 here. So we've got at number 1, In a Lonely Place. At number 2, Ex Machina. At number 3, Seven Samurai. Number 4, The Big Sleep. Number 5, In the Mood for Love. Number 6, The Sixth Sense. Number 7, E.T. Number 8, Alan Partridge. Number 9, Days of Heaven. Number 10, Bound. Number 11, Vertigo. Number 12, The Straight Story. Number 13, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Number 14, All the President's Men. Number 15, Barton Fink. Number 16, Putney Swope. Number 17, Mother. Number 18, Killing of Chinese Bookie. Number 19, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And number 20, The Ballad of Cable Hogue. Nice job with the list drew i had actually i hadn't read the list in a while and it was just a fun little fireworks in me of just like oh oh i forgot about that one yeah i can't wait for that one oh yeah so i'm excited for any of these movies uh should i get ready to t- toss the dart let's do All it right, drum roll this shit i'll throw the dart had a miss but an interesting miss actually i should ask you this we, we had a board miss no it hit the board but it did not get inside the perimeter i hit well i'll tell you what happened i hit the 12 on the number itself and i was like that can't count that wouldn't count in darts no um it's very close between two numbers but the dart has spoken drew is 14 the number 14 is all the president's men and back to the One 70s. One of the greatest movies ever, in my opinion. I fucking love this movie. I'm so excited that we hit this because I get to nerd out about Alan J. Pakula and uh, Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman. Fuck yeah, this is awesome. Cool. Well, I'm I'm excited and I uh, just want to yeah, mention, like we said, we're going to try to make sure the movies we choose moving forward are, are readily available. We don't predict having any of these little blip episodes, but I think we made the most out of it. It's still kind of fun. I want to say that All the President's Men is streaming on HBO Max right now, but it's definitely widely, widely available. Yeah, if you can't track that one down, I, I got nothing to say to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that'll do it for our episode tonight on Sling Blade. Uh, <laughs> the man named Sling Blade yeah. has graced us with his presence. Sling Blade. Uh, yeah. That's what it is. Cool. Next week, All the President's Men. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. If you want to keep in touch or if you have a bullseye selection you want to send our way, drop us a line at dartboardmovienight at gmail.com. If it's for the bullseye, make sure you use subject line bullseye confidential. Follow us on Instagram at dartboardmovienight. Artwork for the show was created by Veronica Roman. And all of our music is by Eric Williams. Play us out, Eric.
but the answer is it's 12. Well, nope, nope, sorry. I got it wrong. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> yeah, I just got it wrong. I thank God I took a video. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. I, I panicked and I, I Do you want to go back out and look at no, it? No, no, it's still on the board. I got the video. I know what it is. It's all right. From the top. 